We're taking a short break this week. We'll have fresh interviews with Australia's technology leaders soon. For now, enjoy this flashback to our discussion with New South Wales CIO, Greg Wells. Hello, and welcome to the IT News Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Hendry. As part of the 2021 State of the IT Report, we've spent the past few weeks speaking to government CIOs from the states and territories on their digital efforts. Greg Wells is the New South Wales Government Chief Information and Digital Officer. We spoke to him about the state's journey to date and what lies on the horizon. Please enjoy. Thanks for, for joining us to discuss New South Wales, I guess, digital government progress as part of the IT News State of the IT Report. Um, New South Wales is widely considered a leader, leader in digital and, and a, it's mostly a product, I guess, of significant investment, um, a centralised services agency and service New South Wales and, and good leadership. Um, and, and even before the pandemic, it was accelerating this transformation that had been underway for a number of years. And this sort of put it in, a, in an enviable, enviable position, I guess, when COVID-19 hit. So I guess to begin, how did the New South Wales Digital Government Head Start, if I can call it that, help the state respond to the pandemic? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think, you know, even since our last strategy, um, it's it's we've seemed to be, you know, lurching from one crisis to another. I think just after we launched strategy, it was, you know, it was bushfires and floods, pandemic, you know, one and gap and then two. So... But, but I think you're right. I think there was a whole bunch of um, investments and assets within uh, within the government. And I think some of those are within DCS, but the clusters more broadly that have really helped. So, you know, within DCS, the obvious ones you've, you've touched on. So, you know, the Service New South Wales account and app and the, the ability to build in, you know, new things like check-in and grants and other things into service has been a, clearly a, a really important asset for us. And and not just the fact that it's there, the fact that we're starting to prove identity within that process. So obviously that's one. Um, other things within DCS, obviously the, the nsw.gov.au platform, um, a whole bunch of common platforms, whether they be payments platforms or call centre platforms that were able to scale for pandemic and grants and other things, you know, spatial for border permits, common approaches to design systems, all that sort of stuff. So it does feel like we, you know, while it was and still is a stack of work and people are working very hard and it is very stressful and people are very tired, uh, there, there is a, a bunch of assets within DCS that really help from a whole of government perspective. But, but as I said, it's that's it, 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 sort of been across government. If you think about uh, injustice, the digital courts program and health, the telehealth program, the, the you know what what the digital restart fund is doing for regional schools, there is a whole there was a whole bunch of things, as you say, in train that I feel like has really helped. Um, certainly, a lot of things have had to be reinvented, but a, a bunch of assets that that are there, and they're kind of the obvious assets and things and programs but I also think the point we'd sort of got to in, in terms of relative maturity in terms of you know how we work across the sector the way we work you know we, we work in contemporary ways mm. and and just having digital and data part of most conversations some of those more subtle things that you know you can't sort of see or, or you know, you know they're, they're not physical things but those things have meant that we were set up ready to respond quickly when things needed to be responded to, right? So, yeah, pl pl plenty still to do, plenty of work still going on, I can assure you, but there, it was a good base. 
Were there any practices that you adopted last year that have continued? I know one of the things that you were able to do very quickly was stand up the um, the contact tracing through the Service uh, Service New South Wales app. Um, are there any other practices that you know helped you to get that out the door so quickly that you've you know continued on into twenty twenty one? Look, I think all of those platforms and things we had is probably the the things that were expanded on. So even if we only had a you know payments platform that was being used for certain uh, you know use cases to expand it into grants or other things would be other examples. So any any of those common platforms we you know moved or pivoted or or you know refocused on on the response uh, would be one thing. Uh, look, I, I think in terms of rapid prototyping in some of those things, we're already doing a fair bit of that, but it's probably less about, pro- to be honest, less about prototyping and more about producing product quickly, you know, real product that is live in weeks, days sometimes. Um, border permits would be one of those. Um, because, because the situation has been changing so rapidly, there's not time to... <laughs> prototype for a few weeks, test with, you know, lots of users, get feedback. And call, literally, some of these things were days, weeks out the door uh, and then improved, you know, incrementally improved as we got going. And, and I think that was important. Um, what, what I think that has meant, though, is that often the technology is a little bit ahead of the policy space. And we're still seeing that, I think, to an extent, because you do have to react so so rapidly. Mm. And, you know, in many places, this whole service design approach, which brings policy and technology and everything together to produce services, uh, does work. But in, it has highlighted that there's still some work to do in lots of places for that as well, because you know, in many cases, the tech is working to start to build in anticipation of where the policy would go and then correct as quickly as we can if it was wrong. So you obviously had to build a lot of products very quickly. Um, were there any areas in which you had to delay initiatives um, to focus on those immediate needs? I don't think in a big way. I think um, it certainly has focused certain things. You know, it, it, we might have changed course a little bit to focus on something, whether that's what you use your My Service account and digital identity for or, you know, where you look at connectivity or, how, you know, so so I think it's it certainly focused some things. I wouldn't say there's, you know, big priorities that got got left behind. It kind of feels to me um, like it helped in in a different way. It helped highlight, you know, um, new emerging themes and areas we needed to focus on um, because as people all start, you know, started to work from home, things were being done virtually. There was a lot more online. It, it sort of highlighted, well, hang on, is, you know, this physical digital divide, is that is that right? You know, does that need to come together? Is 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 the how are we being really inclusive when we're all um, in different environments? You know, how does connectivity is now more important than ever? So I kind of feel, Justin, it's a bit the opposite. I feel like even though all this pressure came and uh, we were doing a lot more, it's highlighted for government in general the importance of digital and customer and focusing on some of these new things that we're you know we're working on in. Um, for a sort of major release of our Beyond Digital strategy as well. So, so it's it's been useful, I think, in that sense. Useful in the first sort of wave in 2020 where some of these programs that are being worked up were like, well, of course we need to, you know, get courts more, uh, you know, online. But but I feel like that's continued with with other areas of, you know, importance that 
that that we need to focus on. So I feel like a bit the opposite. You know, it's not been so much of a delay. It's been more of an ex- acceleration, I think. And you mentioned common platforms. Um, that was quite a, a big part of the the digital strategy that came out at the end of 2019 before the pandemic. And there was a lot of discussion about creating 10 whole of government platforms, things like payments, identity, like you mentioned before. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, how, how have these progressed? Are these things, are any of these up and running at the moment or, you know, yeah. uh, they're still coming? They're all at various stages of progression. I don't, I, I won't try and list 10, but it is a really big focus for us because we can see that, you know, not only is that more efficient and can be done faster, right, but it's it's just a better customer experience if there's a common approach to doing things like, uh, you know, particularly proof of identity and using your My Service account. But, you know, to pick up some of the others you mentioned, um, you know, um, payments, so the customer payments platform scaled across service and now scaling into other places and opportunities there. You know, consolidation of call centre platforms and how they've been scaled and virtualized to make sure we can support customers. Um, lots of work on uh, the buy.nsw platform. So, you know, really streamlining and consolidating procurement from, you know, a buyer and a seller's perspective. Um, you got e-invoicing, um, uh, e-construction, you know, we've done work on hazards platforms. Spatial digital twin has been a big priority for us and is working towards something we want to really scale up. So lo- lots of yeah, that's before we even talk about um, the DAC and data.nsw. And so so I, I don't know, it feels like there's a lot more than 10. I haven't counted them mm. recently, but, um, but it is a focus and it's a focus of the of the Digital Restart Fund too. There's a, there's a category that we really look at, look to discover and find opportunities for common platforms to either pick up and try or, or, to, or to scale if they're, if they're working. So yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an important focus for us. Yeah, you mentioned the Digital Restart Fund. Um, obviously, you've got a, a quite a big pot of money there to play with um, over the next four years, I believe. $1.6 billion last year that was given in the budget and then an additional $500 million this year. Um, how How is the government using the funds to accelerate the the transformation that's, that's happening? Um, and also, how is it, I guess, using that money to reform the way IT projects are funded? Yeah, it's a good question. It's one that's been pretty important for us right from the commencement of the idea because it did feel like the mechanisms for funding didn't match the contemporary ways of working in the way we want to do things right which is kind of like we've been talking about in the response to the pandemic you know get things up rapidly uh, make sure they're hitting the market and incrementally improve them and so it's so so that that funding model with restart which is about getting access to funds faster is um is really critical for us and it's not really just about, you know, the fund is specifically set up, as I talked about before, to really focus on specific things. So, you know, we really talk about the four areas of the fund are around, you know, common life journeys, about common platforms. Um, what we what we termed um, legacy systems or modernisation before, I think, was a mistake. It should have been called frontline systems or, or something a bit uh, truer to what it does. As a, as a category and then capability as well so we so the fund was specifically set up to focus on the transformation of those four areas so that's that's the first thing is it's it's not just a bucket of money that's for random things it's prioritized around those those goals um but i think the other so as well as speed and the focus in those areas it's also helped i think in terms of you know 
prioritisation and thinking across government what is important, what will have the biggest impact for customers. Um, the mechanism about getting access to money quickly and getting tranches of funding ongoing is, is helping to de-risk some of the big programs we're seeing. Mm. Um, and, you know, some of the things we've kicked off are, are already delivering lots of value for customers. Um, it's, you, you think about, you know, licensing was one of those common platforms, but it is also one of the things that's been funded through the, the restart process. You know, and it's already out there starting to transform not not just digitizing licenses, but transform the way customers interact and, and get things, and then reuse other bits of bits of um, technology across government too. So, it's it's been a fundamental um, component of of why I think we're being successful, and one we're you know very interested to continue building on because it's still um, it's still I think not quite the right mix in terms of. You know, physical investment, buildings, in building roads, etc., to to digital, and I think that's that's again been highlighted by the pandemic. The digital restart fund is obviously a a big component of of moving away from, um, I guess, the legacy way of approaching IT projects. But I mean, how else is the state progressing away from the capex heavy approach? Um, are things like the the public cloud targets that were were set out last year um, helping to move the state in that direction? Yeah, look, I think it's helping. I think we've still got a way, to be honest, to go on this one. It is true that uh, the DRF um, has a split of capex opex within it, so it does contemplate that a lot of these things are delivered as services, and you consume services, not not build assets. So, so it does contemplate that. I think the the cloud policy has is another mechanism but um you know i think the fact that when we fund things through drf we're really looking and and recognizing that we want product teams that you know see things from start to finish and then there's an ongoing ongoing way for clusters to maintain those teams and the products they support so but but i do feel like it's still a bit of a way to go because i wouldn't say that at this stage universally everywhere across across government that we think of ict as completely part of a business response and a, and a service that we deliver and if we do think about it like that it, it should be you know that that shift to opex will become greater so you know progress but still lots lots more to go to be honest in that that space justin i want to talk a little bit about online services as well and i know obviously there's a this is an area where you can't necessarily provide as much information because you're not you know you're not the head of services new south wales um but you know new south wales is um currently got about 79 80 percent of transactions available through services new south wales service new south wales and you know Whereas about two years ago, this was about 74%. Why does it not expect to reach the target of 80% until sort of 23, 24? Um, yeah, why is that 1%, that last 1%, the last stretch taking so long? I think what we're doing there is resetting a lot of those programs around the priorities across, the, you know, so if you look at the Premier's priorities, government made easy, telling us once, a whole, you know, a whole bunch of those priorities which to be honest is the feedback we're getting from customers on customers on the most important things to do on the highest volume transactions to be honest you know just on new tra new transactions that have come up in the past 18 months things that we would not have envisaged uh, around grant support and and other things some of those priorities will shift and move so i think it's less about you know a percentage of transactions which you know 
for which the denominator is going to be shifting and has shifted rapidly. And it's more about making sure we pick the right things to deliver to customers. Um, so we're constantly looking at, you know, how we prioritise and what, what we set up to deliver. And, you know, the, the past, you know, particularly six months, but 18 really is, has, has certainly highlighted that. So it is partially due to the shifting focus towards the, the tell us once type functionality that is becoming increasingly important for, I guess, all governments across Australia to really um, grab onto. Yeah, that's right. So the government made easy programs, tell us once initiatives, all of those things, certainly, you know, that's the feedback we get from consumers, customers that, you know, that's, that's what they really want from us. They want to be able to trust our services and they want to be, it just should be, it should be really simple. It should just be easy. We should be just really easy to do business with. That's from an individual's perspective, but, you know, increasingly, and again, what we've seen in the last six months is from a business's perspective as well. So, so taking a, you know, a, a business lens like we're taking an individual's lens is, you know, probably the other emerging priority for us. I think, I think of all the things that's um, clear in the strategy is, it, you know, in the, in this sort of new release of the strategy we're working on is, you know, digital has got a really big part to play in accelerating the sort of economic recovery of the state. Um, and, and the business dimension of that is, it is a big part of that. And obviously quite a big component of Tell us once, um, I guess, is digital identity, um, something that's on everyone's mind around um, Australia right now. What are the government's plans around uh, here? Um, is it progressing a digital ID solution that will eventually link in with the, the federal government's scheme? Yeah, we've always been um, working to align with the, with the TDF, right? you know, the, with TDF. But I think also, you know, what that means for New South Wales uh, you know, has and will be anchored around the Service New South Wales account and how that works for customers to prove their identity uh, and then to link in with other sources. But just I think the, 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 the evolving component here for us is not, not just about that account and proof, but it's about what you can do with that account and that proof. So it's the credentials and things that you're entitled to do as part of life journeys and events and other things you want to do with government and outside of government, to be honest, as well. That's the most important bit in terms of that digital identity journey for us. So, yes, it's about identity, but I'd also say it's it's the combination of what you want to do with your identity, credentials and other services, you know, um, that's that's the key priority for us, I'd say, moving forward. And does that mean that New South Wales will look to introduce a scheme like we have with the ID, which is at different levels of identity identity verification you've got like a basic level which doesn't require very much personal information then you've got a very strong level which requires all sorts of documents and also a face, facial verification test is that kind of the approach that new south wales intends to take yeah so those proofing levels is what is what they're referring to um we yeah we're aligning with those you know there's been a couple of um, new levels introduced over the past, I think, year or so. You know, two plus and a few, a few levels that we're aligned with as well. But yeah, that's exactly the sort of pattern we're following. Um, I, I, I won't get the numbers exactly right, but you know, I, of the you know six million services levels accounts, I think up to uh, above four million now are proofed to what we call proof level two, um, which can be stored and reused to do a lot of transactions. And and progressively, we'll move that proofing level up digitally as well. Um, but yeah, those those 
proofing levels uh, are things we're aligning completely with. I wanted to turn now to cybersecurity and I guess the last year's phishing attack against Service New South Wales, which was a very big event. Um, one of the, I'd say, one of the biggest for a state government um, agency. Um, the information of about 103,000 customers was accessed. One of the reasons it was made worse was the fact that Service New South Wales um, didn't have a, a two-factor authentication. It was a recommendation a couple of years ago. Um, but in the aftermath, uh, the government has introduced a number of measures that I guess may not have been introduced otherwise. Um, can you take us through what kinds of things were introduced? I'll talk, I think, more generically about you know, the cybersecurity uplift program that's in, in place rather than the specifics around Service New South Wales, mm. uh, who have made a heap of progress in terms of, you know, strengthening their maturity and, you know, their, their capability in this space. But um, I think the first thing to say is, you know, clearly, you know, the threat, <laughs> the cybersecurity threat is, you know, continuing to, you know, increase in terms of frequency and scale and sophistication, severity. It's, it's, it's probably one of the the biggest focuses that we have across government. So um, so the investment we've made through through restart and then ongoing through restart has been important for all agencies to start to build um, higher levels of maturity. Um, we uh, you know issued a directive last year in terms of uh, you know awareness and training that will that sort of mandated cybersecurity awareness training for for all um, government staff. so that's in place and is is working through. Um, so uh, there is a heap of work across every cluster to look at the cybersecurity policy that's in place. That's 25 mandatory requirements, which include the essential eight, and, and a big focus on lifting maturity across across that range of things. Not not just technical things, the essential eight, technical controls, but everything from roles, responsibilities, response plans, governance, and everything that goes with cybersecurity because it is it is really not a technical you know just a technical issue it's it's a it's a risk problem that we need to address and there's a um there's a parliamentary report about to, to come out in re in relation to cybersecurity. is there anything you can uh provide there um i know it's obviously uh, a couple of weeks away but what are the kinds of things that uh new south wales we will be looking to introduce in response to that Look, I think it's it's continuing the strategy that we've got in place, to be honest. It's just building more and more maturity into that process. And I think, um, look, I think one one thing here that's I think also important is there's a bit of a narrative around um, you, you gotta be able to stop in, you know, obviously we're, we're working on everything we can do to prevent incidents, but I think as equal, as equally important as that is your ability to respond and recover to incidents because they will occur, right? It, it doesn't matter what organisation you are um, or what um, maturity you have, it's it's equally about that. So that's that's why I talk about those mandatory 25 requirements of this, across the spectrum of prevention to response. There are things that people are putting in place to make sure not only are we, we protecting information and preventing attacks, um, but we're also ready to, you know, um, respond with with plans that have been exercised and tested and all, all those sorts of things too. So, you know, the investment we've made through DRF, um, the $240 million originally, and then, a, then another component, which we've ring-fenced with small and independent agencies in this last round, you know, um, will, will help us with just continuing those technical safeguards, 
um, and you know implementing the cybersecurity New South Wales policy really. And also the I guess that includes the uplifts that are happening across the. I think there's one in Service New South Wales. Obviously, there's a big one happening there. I think Justice and Police also have one. Where else are these uplifts um, occurring in government? Yeah, so every cluster now, Dustin, has access. So when we when we ring fence cybersecurity funding as part of DRF, that was based on, a, on an estimate from every cluster across government, every major cluster, um, to build uplift plans and execute execute those over the over the sort of mostly a sort of you know twelve to twenty four month time frame. So that is now started across every major cluster, and then in addition to that. Um, we're looking now at small and independent agencies as well. So that is now happening across government everywhere. And as part of that, I remember there was specific funding for cybersecurity in New South Wales. Is it using that funding to, I guess, build cybersecurity talent uh, within that um, that arm of uh, DCS? And how is it building talent more broadly across uh, government? Part of that funding was to confirm, uh, yeah, so what this, you know, cybersecurity in New South Wales function. Um, it is looking across government, I said, in terms of building basic awareness and, and quite an executive awareness to cybersecurity as well as quite technical skills in within the public service. It is working uh, with industry in a big way. If you re- reference and have a look at the, the Cybersecurity New South Wales 2021 strategy, which we've just released, um, a, a probably half of that strategy is about working with industry to build skills um, and and the, the the sort of skill gap we have in digital in general, but specifically in cyber, uh, there's a range of uh, you know programs we have in place with TAFE. There's cadetships, traineeships. There's a whole bunch of everything we can think of just to try and make sure we build skills in this area. Um, you know we are doing. And it also seems um, like you've been trying to build talent more broadly. Um, even outside of cybersecurity, there's been a couple of programs recently, um, I think within, again, Service New South Wales and Transport for New South Wales, uh, where a lot of talent, IT talent, is being brought in-house to build out a lot of the stuff that we, we've been talking about. How important is that to the state's transformation? Justin, I think this is, you know, if you pick a thread through all the conversations over the past year, this is probably the one, you know, the the, the shortage of talent in, in New South Wales and Australia generally, the competition for talent, um, you know, across everywhere is probably the thing that's, you know, most on people's minds because they can see the demand and what we need to do and they can see the people we have and how much work we're all doing. And I think, you know, bringing, bringing some of these programs together and things, um, things that, yeah, as you say, transport and service are doing great jobs of and scaling those things up will be critical for us, there's no question. I'd like to end on leadership, and it's obviously something I mentioned right at the beginning, uh, but New South Wales has some of the most in, of invested senior executives, I'd say, and mm-hmm. and one very um, enthusiastic digital minister. Um, how important has this buy-in been for New South Wales' digital journey to date? It's obviously critical. I mean, I, I, look, I think to, to an extent you can't be successful if you don't really have a lot of passionate and bought in senior leaders and we're very 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 lucky to have that um that that goes um you know w- with the secretary's board and you know critical our own secretary emma hogan tim tim reed and mike pratt all the secretaries are very bought in and give us the time and understand this stuff uh, really well you know um we have a great set of you know senior leadership teams across government that collaborate really really well. But you know you you are 100% right. A passionate 
an informed um, and driven minister is is critical to this, uh, and and it has been an ingredient that's um, you know that's really been critical to our success. There's no question. That was Greg Wells, the Chief Information and Digital Officer for the New South Wales Government. And that's the podcast for this week. We'll be back with an exciting new interview next week. Until then, you can check out the State of IT Report and catch all the latest headlines in Australian IT over at itnews.com.au.